Welcome to First in Maine, your avenue to living well. I'm Debs here with my amazing co-host Lauren to meet you in the busyness of your everyday life, to pass along some of the insights and wisdom we've gained over the years. Don't try to figure out life alone. We want to connect you to some of the incredible, well-rounded people in our world. They're life coaches, counselors, pastors, physicians, just amazing people who can help you along the way. Each episode, we'll be sharing sharing personal stories, practical help, and timeless principles to help you live at your best. So lean in and let's tackle life together. Welcome back to First in Maine. We are so happy that you have joined us. This is going to be a great episode because we're talking about the relational dimension of our lives. This is the dimension that connects us to others. And so I asked Teresa Vaughn, who is not only my friend, but someone who spent her life helping people in this area of their lives as a counselor for over 40 years to join us again today. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the essentials to being a relationally healthy person and characteristics of unhealthy relationships. I am excited for you to hear Teresa's insights, so let's just go ahead and get it started. Hey, Teresa, how are you doing today? I'm great, great. Excited to be back and excited to be talking about this subject. Me too. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's just go ahead and get right in. For those of us who want to be a relationally healthy person, or for someone who wants to build relationships with relationally healthy people, what do we need to know and how do we start? First, we want to talk about some of the characteristics of a relationally healthy person. Uh, we want to be Christ-like. We want to be a person who notices others, who has a servant heart, who feels the other's pain, uh, and who prays for them as Christ even prayed for us. We want to be a person who is authentic who isn't an imitator, but who is who we are in all situations, our real self. We want to be a person who can be alone, who can have time apart and be okay with that. We want to be able to balance our social and personal time well. We want to be self-controlled. We want to be people who exhibit fruit of the Spirit. We want to be able to engage with others and with our community, with others we know, and with people that we may meet, whether that's the cashier in the Kroger line or um, whether that is someone that we work alongside or someone new that walks into our church and sits beside us. We want to be able to develop friendships but maintain meaningful friendships. We want to be the person who helps those friendships grow and stay strong. We want to be able to be people who create healthy boundaries, but not boundaries not to keep people out, but to help ourselves and others relate to each other without crossing unhealthy boundaries or without um, feeling like we are always at the beck and call of others, but rather that we give our time freely and say no when we need to say no. We value diversity. We treat others, all others, with respect. We recognize that everyone is a creation of Almighty God, and we want to treat everyone that way. We want to be peacemakers versus just being peacekeepers. Peacekeepers are often those people who will just uh, do anything to keep the peace and avoid any kind of conflict or confrontation, even when we need to have some of those more difficult conversations. 
And in that, we want to be assertive, meaning speak what needs to be said, but not be aggressive or be too passive. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 tells us to encourage one another and build each other up. If that is our motto, if that's undergirds our relationship mantra, we're going to be fine. <laughs> I love that. And it sounds like um, developing healthy relationships really starts from someone who is emotionally healthy and that work doesn't just happen. Like people actually have to work at being emotionally he- healthy. You have to be intentional in a lot of the things that you just listed. Absolutely. Teresa, when it comes to talking and treating others in a way that will foster relationships, what are some tips that you can share with us? How can we encourage each other and build each other up instead of tear each other down? Um, you know, we want to be careful that we uh, we don't let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Ephesians 4.29 says that. But what is unwholesome talk? Sometimes we thought that was just making sure we don't swear or use cuss words. Um, making sure we don't say something that would be seemed inappropriate to someone. But unwholesome talk is anything that is would be degrading to another person, anything that would be considered by the other person not to be encouraging, not to build. If it's not building them up, then it's unwholesome talk. We want to just, just do those things or say those things that's helpful for building them according to their needs. You know, often in our relationships, we think about what we need. We think we want the other person to uh, submit to what our personality type or the way that we think about things. But really caring for others is about putting their needs and even their personality, the way they're wired first. We want to benefit anyone who listens. And it's true because if someone isn't really like taking time to be invested in me and taking time to like listen and be caring of what I need, then sometimes it makes me feel like they're not really a true friend to me. And so in order to be great friends with somebody, those things are very important. And I think it's also really important to become emotionally healthy because it affects how we interact with others. It seems like our culture is becoming more and more relationally unhealthy. And I'm wondering if it's just because more and more people are not aware of what it really looks like to be emotionally healthy. I just see a lot of shaming and bullying and blaming and being critical of one another, being entitled, um, a lot of the things like that are opposite of what you just described. And it's caused so much hurt and pain and division and intolerance. And that's just, it's just foolish. The word tells us in Proverbs 13, 20, to walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. So Teresa, besides being encouraging and building others up, what are some things that we can do to guard our hearts from foolish things and be a light in the times that feel dark? Honestly, it starts with what the Lord says. If we want to walk with the wise, we want to be wise in our relationships, then the Lord tells us that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That doesn't mean being scared of Him. That just means being awed by Him, being reverent toward Him, and recognizing that the way He's He has taught us is the, is the way of health for ourselves and for our relationships with others. So we want to, first of all, look at what does God say to us about loving one another, laying our lives down for another, 
you know, it's one thing to say, I, I would get in front of a bullet for you. It's a whole nother thing to say, I would lay down my wants or the way that I think something should be done uh, in deference to the way that you need it done or what you need. And that really is what relationship is all about, is esteeming others more highly than we seem esteem ourselves. It doesn't mean putting ourselves down or not considering our own value, because really to be healthy in other in relationships with others, we have to first recognize how valuable we are to the Lord. It starts with a, a healthy self-image, and then we can be emotionally healthy in relationship with others. Oh, I love that. I love that. I mean, God has created us to be his, to be masterpieces. So we have to understand what that means and really look inward and look up to Jesus and understand that, you know, he's made us in his perfect image. And so if we are going to be emotionally healthy, that's going to help us have relationally healthy friendships. And I think that if we're going to guard our hearts from foolish things, then it's best to do that with other believers. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to finds um, really good help when we're in a group with other believers, other people to really build us up and encourage us. Matthew 18, 20 tells us, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We get our wisdom from God alone. So if we want to be a light, we need to find the light, which to me means it's vital to be connected in a church with other believers. And in light of all this, (laughs) pun totally intended there, (laughs) can you give us some more insight about the importance of being part of a faith community? When we say that we get our wisdom from God alone, we get that wisdom from God through other believers, as you aptly said. The insight of a pastor's particularly meaningful message, worship time together, where we literally are transported in the spirit into the throne room of God together with other believers. We become family, we become connected, and we find a place that we can share our burdens. We can share those things that we're struggling with. We can share those things that are that are joys to us as well. And we can share the burdens of others. Um, we sit on a on a on a seat next to someone and they share with us they've gone through a particularly dark time. Then it's not scriptural platitudes but it's the truth of the Word of God that we share with them. We ask them what they're feeling, what happened to them, and what they're feeling about that happening to them. And we lean in and listen, and we care, and we share our feelings back with them. That interchange inside the faith community, inside a church building. But as I said last week, too, serving together actually helps us to hone and sharpen those places and and smooth those places that may be rough edges for us or for others. And so we that's the safest place to do that is in a healthy church environment. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, if someone is listening and they are currently not going to church, maybe they've been hurt by the church or maybe they're going, but they really aren't connected. What would you say to them? I would say, first of all, that my heart hurts that they've been hurt in church. And many times we do need to uh, seek a counselor to process that, to gr- for someone to grieve with, uh, with them about those losses that they have experienced, even in that church environment or in the name of religion um, that has been harmful to them, either in their childhood or past or even more currently. 
One of the things that's happened about not going to church, there are a lot of people that may not be coming to church in person, but are going to church online. And I'm very, very thankful that we have that today. And I think, if anything, that's one of the positives that came out of the COVID-19 pandemic was the realization that we can actually reach a lot more people with the gospel and with the opportunity to experience church somewhat. But church online doesn't take the place of personal relationships and personal face-to-face interaction. So I would encourage those people who are even maybe watching on Sunday or watching YouTube. I, I love it that someone who couldn't attend a service because of their work or something can watch it later. Uh, their local church family, they can be part of that later on YouTube. But I would encourage them to find those midweek times to meet together, find other opportunities when there are social outings and so on that their church is hosting to become part of that, um, to certainly interact. Talk in the chat rooms. Let them, the, the people that are hosting know that they're there. Send in their prayer requests so their church family can be ministering to them. And for them to comment back and to, if they see someone uh, that's, that's listed a prayer request or something, that maybe they reach out by text or phone, as we said earlier, and just let them know, personally, I saw that. I may not have seen you in church that Sunday, but I saw that online and I really wanted to reach out and tell you that I care about you and I'm praying for you. Those that aren't going to church at all, um, one of the things I would, I would just say to them, try it again or reach out even to one of us. And I'm going to give our counseling number, uh, before the end of this podcast. Um, and I know that they can text you guys or communicate with you guys on, uh, your uh, Facebook page. Um, and just let you know what's what's going on, what may be the reasons why they are feeling they, they don't want to be in church at this time. And any of those uh, we would honor and keep confidential if anyone would like to reach out to us in a confidential nature. That's so awesome, Teresa. Thank you for doing that. Let's talk about unhealthy or toxic relationships for a second. What are some signs that a relationship is unhealthy or toxic? Well, let's talk about healthy ones first, um, healthy relationships. Um, and we're going to talk about in a minute uh, some more. But you have to know what that healthy relationship looks like. There's mutual respect, trust, honesty, good communication, individuality, problem-solving, compromise. All of those are, are pieces of that. Matthew seven seventeen says, A good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. Good tree can't produce bad fruit. Bad tree can't produce good fruit. So one of the things we can do is we can identify a healthy relationship by the fruit of that healthy relationship. Is there respect? Is there uh, honor? Is there um, a safety? Is there an, a, a, an ability to allow the other person to be first? That tells us if the, if, if the relationship is all about one person in the relationship, it's not really a relationship. It's a one-sided using are manipulating sometimes. So we don't want to do that. Toxic relationships are those that cause us to feel unsafe. Toxic relationships cause us to go afterwards going, I feel uncomfortable. I don't feel like I can be me. I feel like I'm judged. I feel like um, that person doesn't really care anything about my needs. It's all about theirs. And toxic relationships also are those where we feel used. Anytime we feel used, 
we need to consider what's what else is going on in that relationship. Um, and many times we'll stay in those toxic relationships because they seem familiar to us. So let's talk about a few of the red flags maybe of that unhealthy or toxic relationship. Okay. Control. One, as we said earlier, one or the other tries to control or change the other. One tries to make all the decisions or requires that they make all the decisions. They try to isolate the other from friends and family. When someone keeps you away from your friends, family, or other people, that is definitely a serious red flag, whether that's in a marriage or a friendship or any other type of relationship. It often starts very slowly with someone asking you to spend more one-on-one time with them, but later escalates into asking you to spend, that you don't see other people. They first start off with certain other people. They're not really good for you, so I don't want you to really spend time with them anymore. They'll ask you to choose between them and your friends. If, you know, are you going to choose them over me? Oh, you want to go there? You're choosing them over me. They'll ask that you spend time, all your time with them. And definitely, if you feel they're making you question your own judgment of friends and family, you're going, wait a minute, that was a good person for me. And this person is trying to make you think they may not be. You want to really question that. When someone makes you feel responsible for their actions, you have to keep them happy. That's your job. If they're unhappy, it's all your fault. That's a a very serious sign of someone who may not be able to maintain a healthy relationship. Often if they blame you for things that are not in your control, make you feel bad about even just normal mistakes you made, Maybe you burned the bacon because you didn't watch it closely enough. And instead of going, oops, you burned the bacon, they're really berating you. Anytime we feel berated or we feel less than or not enough, then we want to consider that may be a toxic relationship. Sometimes people will go so far as to threaten to hurt themselves if we don't stay with them or make them our total priority. Not just our priority, but our total focus. They pressure us sometimes to do something we're not comfortable with. Anytime that happens, whether that is physical or emotional, we want to be beware, beware. They want to claim that it's important to them, makes hurts their feelings if they don't do it. You know, I think in those kinds of terms of that control, that old lost in space, some of your listeners may be old enough to remember that, that little um, sci-fi little show where the robot said, danger, danger, Will Robinson. And I would say that any of those things I mentioned would be danger, danger, really pay attention. And if you think you may be in one of those types of relationships, I encourage you to seek a counselor, uh, seek a confidential conversation with someone about that so that you are safe and but that you can uh, really kind of clear your head and make the best decision possible. You know, when we're in the middle of trauma, and that's a, that's trauma, being in a, in a relationship like that, then sometimes we have a hard time making decisions ourselves. So seeking help can help us to do that better. Another sign of a toxic relationship is when healthy boundaries are not respected. One makes fun of opinions or interests of the other. You know, teasing and sarcasm can be witty, fun, but also can be very harmful. You know, I grew up in a home I'm very thankful for my uh, parents, we we did tease a lot in our family, but one of the things that we were taught very young was that we we never go for the jugular. 
Meaning, if we know that a particular area is a sensitive area for someone, we don't touch that with teasing. We stay away from that. We tease about the things that the other person is comfortable about that does that doesn't bother them. If we're not sure, then don't. That's a good good motto to follow in that. Sarcasm also is another thing. You know, it sounds very cool and witty, and especially if we don't know what to say, sometimes we'll make a sarcastic remark. But sarcasm often is degrading to the other person. It, it, it makes the other person question themselves, their thoughts, or their even their being. So we want to be very careful about that. And then kind of in line with the control is intimidation and manipulation. If we feel intimidated by something, then we really need to question the wisdom of that situation, uh, certainly of that person who is cause or their behavior is causing us to feel intimidated. If we feel manipulated, coerced, required to do something, uh, anytime someone does or says something to make us feel bad about ourselves. Any name calling, making rude remarks about people we're close with, criticizing us. You know, constructive criticism. I'm not sure I love that term. Constructive care in sharing with us some areas that maybe we can improve on. And even using those terms, this is an area that maybe um, this. If you try this, this might work for you and be better for you, rather than something that's that's critical. If we feel criticized or critically spoken to, we're going to put up defenses and not really able to receive that. Anytime we feel belittled when someone makes fun of us, if they play that off as a joke, even as I said earlier, and you know, a lot of times people say belittling remarks and then say just joking or JK, but they're not really kidding and it hurts. And whether they were kidding or not, if the recipient feels less than, we want to stay away from doing that. It helps people lose confidence in themselves or their abilities over time when that continues to happen. You know, volatile people make us feel like we have to walk on eggshells around them. We have to be very careful of that. That is a, maybe a toxic relationship. When people have extreme reactions to small things, we know we're being manipulated if someone's trying to convince us to do anything we don't feel comfortable doing. If we feel ignored unless they get their way, or we feel like we they are trying to influence our feelings, then we want to be careful of that. But, you know, let me speak for just a moment to the person that does maybe use intimidation or manipulation and so on rather than, and sarcasm and, and so on. This is not about putting anyone down. This is about saying maybe we might have learned to do those behaviors as in our childhood or whatever and haven't learned the harm that they can cause. But as we're being made aware of that, not sure how to change. Or we feel less than in defense of ourselves and we lash out. Sometimes we are more volatile or have extreme reactions to things, not because we want to manipulate, but because maybe there's some unresolved hurt in our own life. And those might be areas we would want to seek some counsel or help with. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about um, some of the actions we may learn at an early age, part of our lifestyle that, that's just how we grew up, and then all of a sudden, that's how we become, and we don't realize how hurtful and damaging that could really be because we were we grew up that way. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, if someone recognizes they're in an involved in an unhealthy relationship or have been wounded through an unhealthy relationship, I do agree that counseling is a great in a way to like work through that. 
Um, forgiveness, I think, is also a vital part of the healing process. It's a tough thing to do, but God tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God and Christ has forgiven us. So, Teresa, can you help us understand why it's so important and what this actually looks like practically to forgive? How does forgiveness really work? You know, um, first of all, I think in order to forgive, we really do have to recognize that we have been forgiven. That every that what Christ did on the cross was the evidence that we are fully forgiven by God. He said it is finished. Um, whatever we have done, will do, um, thought, um, or any sin that we've committed has all been forgiven by what Christ did on the cross. And because we have been forgiven, we can forgive. But forgiveness doesn't mean pretending like it didn't hurt. Forgiveness doesn't mean pretending like it didn't happen. Forgiveness doesn't mean, oh, that's okay, I forgive you. When really deep inside, we don't feel like the person understands the wounding that's happened to us, or we don't even haven't understood it ourselves. So forgiveness is a process, I think. I think it starts with, first of all, recognizing we've been forgiven. It also is a decision I choose to forgive that person for. But we do need to identify the losses we've experienced because of that person's actions. When we identify those losses, we grieve the fact that we've lost those things. Then we can say, okay, I choose to forgive you for causing those losses of trust, um, safety, security, hope, um, closeness, and so on. So when we do that more specifically, I think that we are more able to both give and experience having given forgiveness. Many times I find people will say, I forgave them, but they're still angry with them. So what does forgiveness look like? It means I'm no longer holding that person hostage to what happened, what they, what they did to me or what I experienced from them. So I've heard someone say unforgiveness is like um, giving the other person poison and we dying from it. You know, it's like we don't, we, we can't. Forgiveness is about our own self. But also, it is a mandate from God and understanding that, that he doesn't tell us to do anything he doesn't enable us to do. And so prayerfully, we repent of our own sin of unforgiveness and then ask him to help us with that. And counseling is another, um, uh, certainly a way that people can learn to understand what forgiveness is and understand who they may need to forgive in their own lives. I love that you said that forgiveness is a process because I think you're right. Sometimes, you know, we'll say, oh, I'm so sorry. And then someone will say, it's okay, no problem. And truly, like you were talking about, they might still hold on to that anger. And so the forgiveness really hasn't happened. And so I liked that you said grieving those things that you felt lost and saying, I choose to forgive and going through the whole process. One last question as we are moving into the holiday season, which can be a very relationally stressful time. People all over the world feel pressure from families' expectations during the holidays, pressure from their employers or maybe other employees as the year ends. Sometimes there's pressures to go or not go to holiday parties and get-togethers. I mean, that's just a few of the holiday stresses. So as we finish up today, 
Is there any advice you would like to share with our listeners as they approach the holidays and how to be relationally well with other people? You know, the first thing is honesty. Just be honest with yourself about where you are about the holidays. Holidays, uh, we we talk about seasonal depression and so on. Uh, We see more uh, depression and anxiety and so on around this time of year than any other time of the year. It's interesting that Thanksgiving is one of the most stressful days of the year. For a lot of people, either they are needing to be with family or feel like they're required to be with family that maybe they haven't healed relationships with. Um, maybe they're uh, unable to. Maybe they are they've lost loved ones um, that were always around their Thanksgiving table that won't be there this year. Perhaps um, they feel pressured to produce the best dish at the at the dinner. They feel pressured to look a certain way uh, for the Christmas party. They feel pressured to have the right gifts for the right people and so on. So they're just, as you put it, there are a lot of expectations and pressures. When we think of the word pressure, we think of something squeezing, something, something building to something to an intolerable level. So being honest with ourselves about where we are, talking to someone, saying out loud, what we may be fearful about or concerned about, certainly talking with a counselor. And I don't mean to emphasize that that's the only thing we can do. Trusted friends, those that we know will tell us the truth, we can talk to them, talking to pastors. I'm sure, Lauren, at this time of year, you hear a lot of people because whether you call yourself one or not, as a hairdresser, you are a counselor. (laughs) And so you hear those things and encourage people. And just by listening to them, you actually are encouraging them and making them feel valuable and that their concerns have merit and, and are valuable to you. So that's what we want to do for each other. We want to be that relational friend person who helps anyone go through whatever they are experiencing. I do want to share with our listeners uh, just a resource. I, there are many around the city, so call counseling. There are hotlines around the the city. We know that, as I said, depression, anxiety increase at this time, and even feeling so hopeless that we harm ourselves or, or try to take our lives is much more prevalent around this time of year. So for anyone who is struggling in any of these areas we've talked about in the last two sessions, I want to share a number. The counseling number is 678 800 3108-678-800-3108, or they can email us at influencerscounseling at gmail.com. That's influencers, just I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E-R-S, counseling, C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G, at gmail.com. We'd be glad to answer any questions or talk with anyone that we want to. And we'll try to always try to answer that their calls within a day. Thank you so much for that. I just jot both um, the phone number and the email down. And if it's okay with you, maybe we can share it on our Facebook page as well. Um, that way we can help anybody that is in need. This has been so good, Teresa. I really enjoyed talking with you about all this, and I cannot thank you enough for doing this with me, especially so last minute. I mean, this was really quick that we asked you to come on and do this for us. So thank you. 
It's really been my pleasure, Lauren. And I do want to just add also that we are available online as well for online sessions if someone may not be in the local area as they're listening to this podcast. So in person and online, we have several offices they can come to in person, but we also have people that, that can use Zoom or other so other media platforms to interact. So thank you so much. I've just really appreciated the opportunity and I love spending time with you, Lauren. I I enjoy spending time with you as well. Well, guys, that is it for today. We hope that you feel encouraged and you feel better equipped to develop great connections and thrive in the relational dimension of your life. Y'all, please keep praying for Debs and that her voice returns soon because I know we are all missing her so much. Thank you for listening today. We cannot wait to meet with y'all here again at First and Main, your avenue to living well.